Greetings. Welcome back to Sick Flick, a stream of consciousness podcast discussing everything under the sun regarding film and television. I'm your host, August. I'm so glad to be back. So glad to have you back here with me. So glad to get things started again. Um, today we're going to be ranking A24 films. Something light, something fun, maybe controversial. I don't know. So yeah, we're just going to be discussing A24 films, the one that I've seen, and how I would rank them. Um, but first, our entertainment news. I don't want to call it e-news, but like they did kind of slap when they did e-news. You know what I'm saying? Like it works. It works. But what's going on in the industry, news, facts and tidbits, we have yet to come up with a name. But anyways, for that segment, in lieu, if that is the correct saying, with A24 is I want to discuss the Travis Scott Cactus Jack A24 collaboration news going on. So if you don't know, there were Instagram posts that revealed that Travis Scott and his conglomerate, I don't know what you would call it, um, Cactus Jack, his brand, they are actually, they signed a production deal with A24 Films. So they're said to produce multiple, multiple films for A24 um, and that the the post that revealed it was a picture of a script. Um, it had like a blackout title, but I think people have inferred that the title is like Utopia or something like that. Um, so yeah, Cactus Jack, if you don't know, I don't know. I don't fully understand it, but whatever. Cactus Jack is apparently like a multi-product brand conglomerate media thing um of Travis Scott they've had other collaborations or like associated franchises with like McDonald's that recently just came out um Fortnite fashion brands stuff like that um so yeah and then lastly the first project, since I said it, it's multiple projects, the first project is supposed to launch around the time of his upcoming album. I think neither of those have been revealed yet, um, but it's supposed to align with his upcoming album and the rest will follow. So yeah, just a little short, just a little short tidbit on things going on. So that can be another work to add to the A24 repertoire um, in the future but that will be interesting to see I would like to know more about what it is like if they're doing multiple films like what kind of films are they film films feature films or are they short films music videos I don't know but I'm excited to see what they're going to be about um, and I wish I knew when to expect it as well but I guess just in general know that it's coming soon um so yeah that's all I have for that segment very short we're gonna get right into the episode I have six categories or rankings 
I guess. And like I said, it's not all the A24 films, believe it or not. I have not seen all of the A24 films. Um, I've seen a good bit, but not all of them. But these are going to be of the ones that I've seen and kind of remember seeing, you know? Um, to go through the categories before we dive in, just to get an understanding of where my mindset's at. The first one is called a literal classic, Deadass. Like, Deadass, like it's a literal classic. It's it, no jokes aside, I'm being serious 110%. I think we already know what movie is falling into that category, but... That is that is the first one. That is the first one. That is our A plus 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 plus. Uh, the second one is iconic. Truly, it is the movies that are truly iconic. You know, like I'm not gonna say they're a literal classic. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be I'm gonna be realistic. I'm not gonna be hyperbolic. The other one, I'm not being hyperbolic. I I, I stand by that statement. I stand beside them. But the other ones, I'm not going to be hyperbolic and say that they're a literal classic, but I will say that they are iconic, truly. So, that that is it. That is point blank, period. Um, the third one, it's a pretty good ride. It's a pretty good ride. You know, like, I had fun. It was enjoyable. You know, these are movies that I, I whether I come back to them is up in the air. I mean, I'll, like, I'll come back to them again at some point because they're great movies. But it's like, you know what? Like, I really enjoyed myself. That was that was a good movie. I had fun. You know? I think I think that explains it very well. Um, the fourth one is, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not a bad movie. I might not have been the biggest fan of it. There might have been some issues I had with it. It might not have been um, the smoothest ride. You know, like there, there were some issues. There are some issues I have with it. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad movie, you know? Um, the fifth one... The fifth one is eh. Eh. It was eh. It was either okay or I didn't really care for it. These are films that not necessarily, again, are technically bad films. Because um, I feel like for the most part, not to be that guy, but A24 films aren't really that bad, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I don't consider them to be bad films. But... They're just films that I I don't have to see again. If I tell people about it, I'm like, you know what? Like, it wasn't for me. You might like it. I know a lot of people like these films, but it's like, eh. It just wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea, you know? And then the last one is A Scammer and a Fraud. A Scammer and a Fraud. Listen, like I said, I don't consider, like... There are rarely any A24 films where I'm like, that's a bad film, you know? Like, I wouldn't consider any of these to actually be bad films. Actually, we'll talk about it. But I call them a scammer and a fraud because 
for the most part, I think they've revealed themselves to be not a different film, but they, they, they diverge from my expectations a lot more than some of the other films. These are films where it's like, oh, I thought this was going to be that and it's not that or you know like I thought this was gonna be like this and then it turned out to be like this or I just I just was not I was not expecting the end result that I got I'll say that again a scammer and a fraud you know I was not expecting the end result that I got and the end result was not one that I particularly cared for so to go over, you know, my justifications. Those are my those are my six categories. Um, that is, yeah, that is about it. So we'll we'll hop into the first one, a literal classic, dead ass, um, and that is Moonlight. Moonlight is the only movie in that category. Yes, I did make an entire category for Moonlight specifically because. That is the truth. That is the truth, actually. So I don't like. I don't know what else to. You know, like I try. I try to limit. Listen, I try to limit the amount of times that I. Actually, no, I don't. I don't try to limit the amount of times that I talk about Moonlight. I try to limit the extent that I talk about Moonlight in every episode. Because as I hint in every episode, there will be a Moonlight-specific episode. So I try not to give all of my eggs out. What is the saying? I try, I try not. I try not put all of my eggs in one. Does that even make sense, though? I try not to put all my eggs in one basket for Moonlight. It doesn't, but whatever. But anyways, you know, I try not to give my all for Moonlight in every episode. I don't know. But know that because of that, I will go hard on an episode in the future. Who knows when that will be, but it will be. So I'm not going to talk about Moonlight too much. I don't know what else there is to say anyways. It is a, like, it is a classic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it is, it is, it is a classic. It is what it is. It's a classic. Moonlight is a classic. Like, literally. You know what I'm saying? Like the the category like the category is all that you need. You know. I know. We all know. So I really like there's there's really nothing for me to say with Moonlight. And maybe that's a good thing for all of us right now. So yeah, so moving on to the next category, um, our iconic truly category. The first one, and this is in no particular order within the categories, this is off the dome. The first one is Hereditary. I love Hereditary. Heredi like, Hereditary is such a great movie and I don't know. I like I just I'm realizing I have no explanation for a lot of a lot of the great ones at least. Hereditary is a fantastic movie. Its plot line is immaculate. 
I know a lot of people weren't a fan of how it ended. They didn't like the, the path it went. For some people, Hereditary is a scammer and a fraud. And it's like, I understand that. And especially in the beginning of me like watching the movie and like when it first came out, I was like, you know what? And like, you know, I was disappointed too. Like I thought it was gonna be this movie and it ended up being this movie. But the more that I watch it, the more that I'm like, you know what? It is, it is fantastic that it was that movie because it like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think, I think, and this is me talking out of the ass because I don't watch horror films. I don't watch horror films like that. Um, I've, I've increased it in the past, but I, like, I'm, I'm so pretentious about the horror films that I watch. You know, I'm very much like, it has to be like a art house film that has like horrific elements to it or whatever the fuck. So like, I'm that kind of person. I don't like to watch horror films alone off of pure horror themselves. Horror films actually do not work for me. Like they, I just... They don't scare me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about life that has hardened me. But jump scares, jump scares, they don't get, they don't get an extra blink from me. They, they truly do nothing for me at this point. So it's like, I need films, especially horror films. I need films that don't rely on a lot of the traditional conventions of like a horror film. I don't know if I've said this before, but that is just like me personally. So I usually need more out of a horror film. Cause I also don't like gore. That makes my stomach like it just, it, it, it just, it messes up. It messes up my gut health. It messes up my gut health, which messes up my mental health. And we know that our gut health is the most important. So it's like, I try to stay away from horror because you know, it's just not healthy for me, but so yeah, like with a horror film, I need more than the traditional conventions of like a horror film. Um, but I also like, which includes like, I can't do gore. So it's like, I need more substance. I don't like the way that I'm talking about it. Cause I don't want it to feel like horror film is just like mindless, brainless, just low tier entertainment. No, I really respect horror film as a genre. I'm just saying for me, especially with me being a drama person <laughs> me being somebody that is like really heavily into drama films dramatic films drama of the theater I don't know but anyways I need like I need some sort of element to my horror films in that way and what I love about hereditary is that it does that like I think I saw somewhere where it's like um Hereditary is like a family drama gone wrong or something like that. Like like a family drama gone wrong. I think that's what it was. Um, where like the core of the film is rooted in drama. It's rooted in, um, I would say like realism in a sense, which I feel like is an important part of drama in general is the realistic aspect. And so it, and it's like, it only like it, its foundation is in 
realism is in drama and then only towards the end do you start to pick up on those supernatural paranormal horror aspects um and that's how it turns in the end and maybe that's why people didn't really care for it because it's like yes the film is very suspenseful and it's very um thriller-ish throughout the film I think it's really in those last few minutes of the film like the last 10 maybe 15 minutes of the film where it actually turns into um it actually turns into like a supernatural paranormal horror film when it involves like demons and ghosts and blah 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 um so I can see how in that sense a lot of people didn't like it because that's where it does that shift but I think for me the fact that it is a drama at the heart of it is what helps me enjoy it as a horror film as well because it gives me something that I can latch onto for the majority of the movie. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, that's why I like it. I think again, I think that, I don't know, like I think the way that it is unflinching in the way that it showcases and discusses a traumatic moment, traumatic moments, drama, horror, everything is great. Like I, I do like those films that are very like edgy and are very, um, like they lean into the grittiness, the gross, horrific, traumatic parts of life. Um, cause I feel like a lot of times drama is very much about, it's much about subtlety. It's much about beauty. Sad moments are very overlaid, very inferred. Um, and a lot of trauma in dramatic films is more so assumed. And with this film, it's not, you know? And I think that that's also why people like Ari Aster as well, is that he, He's one of those directors that doesn't that doesn't flinch at the sight of gore um, while still like not in the same way that like horror films do. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. I see Ari Aster in the same vein as like Harmony Korine in the fact that their subject matter is very gritty in the fact that they're um, and I guess like Kalik Allah too, because his films are very, like, they catch, I don't know how to describe it. They capture a part of, like, realism in, like, the human experience and, like, in humanity that is very uncomfortable because most people, especially like privileged people, are not used to seeing it. And so it's like in everyday life, if they see that, they're like, oh my gosh, like that's so gross. Like I can't look at it. But when you're sitting in front of a film and you're kind of being forced to watch it and they put that on screen, then it's like that relationship between seeing something that you otherwise are not used to seeing, seeing something that is unflattering to watch, but you're literally being forced to watch it, you know? Like, that's how I see all three of those directors in, and that's why I feel like they have their own particular audience. They have their own particular, like, cult following because they're the kind of directors that, you know, those people that they want to see that, that true grittiness, that true, um, 
unflinching look at realism go for? So I say all that to say that I love Hereditary. Hereditary and Mother are like my two go-to horror films. Those are the films that I annoy everybody with because I want to watch them at any points of the day. Um, like I just, I love just sitting and having fun with people and being like, y'all wanna watch Hereditary? Like, y'all wanna watch Mother? And then everybody being like, no, like what the fuck? Like, no. So those are my two like horror comfort films. Um, so that's all I can say about Hereditary. I just think it's really a classic. Well, it's not a classic. Let me, if I have to be, if I have to, yeah, have to stick in line with my ratings, it's iconic. Truly. So the next one, Lady Bird. Duh. I love Lady Bird. Lady Bird, Lady Bird is just one of those characters that I see her and I feel seen and I feel like we get each other and I feel like if she was a real person we would be friends even though like I'd, I'd be like okay girl you lack some sort of self-awareness um but I guess that is just the teenage experience I mean that's the human experience but more so the teenage experience but I love Ladybird, and here's also why and this is to the people on fucking Twitter that want to create think pieces about everything and they want to create discourse about everything and it's just not necessary. I I saw a tweet that's like I will not be engaging in the discourse about Lady Bird being a bad film because that is just not true. That is I stand by that statement. Lady Bird is not a bad film. Lady Bird is a great film and it's like if you get like Obviously, Lady Bird is not the most likable character, but also what character is, like, what character is going to be truly likable? If you're making a real film, if you're making a film that is supposed to capture realism, like, why would you create a perfect character? That makes literally no sense. But anyways, it's, it's also a great film because it captures the relationship between, like, a mother and her and her daughter and that's really why I think it's such a gem because I just don't I don't think we've gotten a lot of films that look at that relationship there's not a lot of films that, that truly discuss like parent to child relationships in a way that is not focused on like absentee parents you know and that's not that's not me saying anything about those films I think that those films are important in their own right. They have an important story to tell. Fucking, fucking Moonlight. Like, I, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not dissing those films at all. But, again, there's usually a predominant narrative when it comes to certain, certain sides of stories being told, you know? And in that way, when discussing, like, children and their parents and the relationship between the two, it's usually not one where it's, like, Let's show a pretty functional family, a pretty, I won't say healthy, but somewhat positive family structure, you know, not even in like the fact that the parents are together and they're both in the house, but also kind of, yes, um, but also just show like how these seemingly good family structures can still be tumultuous, but also specifically looking at the relationship between 
the parent and the child, specifically a mother and a daughter, because I feel like that's an interesting relationship that you don't see a lot on screen. I just, you know, I, I just think at the end of the day, that relationship is, it was interesting to highlight and it made me think about my own relationship with my mother or relationships that you see most times with daughters and their mothers, especially, you know, when you're still close to your mother, but it's like, this lady get on my nerve, but in the same second, like we moving on, our relationship is moving on. Um, so like, I really enjoyed that. And I think again, it, it, at the end of the day, like it truly does, it truly does capture that relationship well. Cause I was thinking about it the other day. I forget what it was. I don't know. I was doing something and it, it enlightened me to think about like, what the the nun i think she was a nun the nun like teacher advisor lady was saying when she was talking about um lady bird's essay or letter to sacramento she's like you speak with such love and affection for this for Sacramento, for the city. And she's like, I don't know, like, maybe I just, you know, pay attention or whatever. And she's like, you know, like, isn't that kind of the same thing, like love and attention? And like, it, it just, it made like, that moment makes you realize kind of the underlying essence of the film, which is like, this relation, like, though it may seem like, your mother is always on you. Your mother does not actually like you. Like your mother doesn't actually care about you. It's like she she actually loves and cares for you so deeply because she she has dedicated her entire life in a sense, or she's dedicated so much of her life in taking care of you and looking after you. And it's like those small details where you're like, okay, like she. It's annoying that she did this, and she could have gone about it in a more positive way. Yes, but it's also like, but I I understand that she's doing this um because like deep down she actually cares about me she actually loves me it might not be translating the way that she thinks it is but I know that and I think like again Lady Bird knows that too like anytime people come for her mother she's right there to defend them even though like two seconds later she might be like oh my god they're so annoying you know so yeah Again, like I have no justification as to why any of these films are in their categories, at least right now. Like these are just films that I love. These are just films that I think are actually iconic. But also I think that they did, they do do something interesting. You know, like I think Hereditary, Hereditary did something interesting for um, drama and horror films. I think Lady Bird does something interesting for showcasing uh a different type of relationship that you don't usually see and kind of really drawing attention to the dynamics of that relationship and what it ultimately means. Um, and then the third one, now the third one is at the top of this list for sure. I The only reason why I don't consider this to be a literal classic um, is because I, I truly understand that like theoretically it might not be adding much to the conversation of cinema you know because again I I hee hee ha ha about Moonlight being a classic but it's like like the dead ass part like I'm so serious 
you know, like I, I could, I could literally, I could and should and probably will write a book on how it is like, it is actually an important part of film history. It is important in a lot of film theories. Like it is a theoretically dense film on top of the fact that it has amazing acting, directing, cinematography, sound, blank, you know, all of it, like amazing accomplishments. I think also it is theoretically dense, which I think is a part of what makes a classic a classic. And I'll say this, I not that I don't think 20th century women isn't theoretically dense, or I don't think any of these could be enlightening to some degree. Um, for 20th century women specifically, I'll say I, I've not found it to be in the same, in the same caliber as Moonlight, but do not be mistaken on my love for 20th century women. Cause I, I truly, like I, I truly, I truly love that film. I truly love that film. Um, that is another film that I look at and I admire and use as an inspiration for my life. Um, yeah, so 20th Century Women, it is iconic, truly. I think, like, I just, I love the idea. I love the family structure. Um, I've always been somebody that really enjoyed the idea of, um, like, like a built family, I guess, or like, more so in like the saying, like it takes a village to raise a child or whatever. But in the sense also where like you could see it in um a lot of queer family structures where it's like these are people I chose to be my family. You know, like I not that I see them in the same, but I feel like they the the foundation of both of those is kind of the same, where it's like relying on your community in order to build each other up in order to keep the community thriving but also when it comes to like in this case raising a child um like just not like using your resources using your community using your your found family your family in general to help you take care of and raise a child so like in 20th century women, it's it's primarily a mother and her son, um, a single mother and her son, but the people that also live in her house, her roommates or whatever, they also take a hand in like help raising him or just help him become a well-rounded human being. Um, and I really like the idea of that. Like I, I really enjoyed that concept of just like, Yes, this year, like yes, your family is your family, but your family extends beyond your immediate family because I have other people in my life that I care for, that care for you, and that are going to make sure that you are raised well. But also in realizing, you know, at least in her, her, I guess in general, um, in realizing that as the parent you can't be the sole raiser or you just aren't going to be the sole raiser of a child, if that makes sense. In the same way, it's like, like 
now, but it's less of a conscious effort. Um, your friends are raising you. My friends are raising me. My friends are teaching me very important things about life. You know, my outside community, the people I work with, the people I go to school with, you know, those people are shaping me to become the person I am, um, both good and bad, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And so, like, in a, in a sense, like, these people are helping me grow up as well. It's just in this movie... Dorothea is actively making that, she's actively recognizing it and she's actively making that decision too, you know? So, yeah, I just, I just love 20th Century Women. I also love the aesthetics of the film. I think that it is such a beautifully crafted film. The era that it is capturing, I also love. I realized the other day, this is so random, but I realized the other day that in the movie, one of my favorite lamps, one of the lamps that I want to purchase, the I think it's the Panthella, the Panthella, um, I think it's Werner Patton's Panthella lamp. It is the table lamp, not the floor lamp. I do want both particularly the floor lamp. This is me going on a furniture design rant. This has nothing to do with anything, literally at all. But I do want the floor lamp, most importantly, but also the table lamp. It is in Dorothea's room. Um, and I was looking at stills the other day of it, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even realize it. But yes, I just, the entire look and feel of that film, I absolutely love, as well as, again, the aspect of relationships. I think that it's just really good. Um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. I'm actually not the biggest fan of Yorgos Lanthimos, but I love The Killing of a Sacred Deer more so. Like, I just, I don't, like, I just love how fucked up it is. Because I think it's really one of those movies where, like, it, like, by the end of the film, you're like, what the fuck? Like, this movie is actually deranged this movie's actually deranged like it's one of those movies where it's like what did I just watch that's actually crazy I can't believe it and the imagery oh my gosh the imagery and this is like this is anyways if, if you enjoy like horror like I think you'll you'll understand where I'm coming from where it's like, yes, this imagery is sad and terrible, but something about it is just like, it just, it just does something to you, you know what I'm saying? But the imagery of the blood coming from um, the eyes, that's all I'll say. If you have not seen it, it's a really good movie. But the imagery of the blood coming from like the tear ducts of the eyes, fantastic, fantastic fantastic it is iconic truly because of that moment period favorite part of the film um that's all i have to say killing of a sacred deer it is amazing it is another one of those like suspenseful thriller i wouldn't call it a horror film um suspenseful thriller films um but also again like Eros Lanthimos, like the off-kilter just monotone um it's not language monotone tone of like their characters and the way that they speak 
it it adds a particularly like eeriness to the film i think it, it it enhances like you know aspects of all of his films like i think in the lobster it helps to the comedic aspect um and i guess in what is that movie called the one with emma stone in it i forget what it's called but in that one um i think again it also adds to the comedic element but also just like it just gives it an awkward tension but I think in this film and in why I like this film more so than his other ones I think that's where that monotoneness just like it truly works the best um it like it just truly makes every moment a bit more eerie and just more like what the fuck is going on because everybody is just acting like their tone is cavalier and so it just that juxtaposition i think it works really well so yeah killing of a sacred deer great 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 um ex machina i really like ex machina and i i would consider it iconic truly it doesn't have as much of an emotional hold on me than these other films um really these last three kind of not so this the next one but anyways like they don't have as much of an emotional hold on me. Like, I don't come to these films as much as I come to those, the films that I just talked about. Um, but I think, again, it did something different with the form. And I feel like with Ex Machina, it really, like, yes, we have robot films. <laughs> and yes, that whole idea of, like, what are robots? Like, they gain the consciousness to become their own person is, like, a thing that we've already discussed, you know? Like, it's not new. But I think this film really puts it into, like, it really puts it into, like, a physical manifestation, I guess. Um, or, like, I think it, how do I describe it? Like, I don't know. I think with, like, the difference between this and, like, iRobot is, like, iRobot, like, it just made it feel... Like, it just, like, iRobot, I think there was still a disconnection between the fact that it's like, this is a robot. Because especially they look like robots. Not that that's the only factor, but it's like, they look like robots and kind of were still like, eh, 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 you know, like, <laughs> like, I want to become like a human. Like, I want to blah, 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 and whatnot. But I feel like with Ex Machina, it really embodied like the... Like, this is a robot, yes, but, like, this is as human as a robot could be. Like, th like this is a human. And so it kind of put, like, it kind of worked on that fear of, like, robots becoming human. But literally, like, it took, it pushed it, the f like, the furthest it's ever gone. That whole fear, that whole, like um not even fear but that whole like what if the whole what if scenario I feel like ex machina pushed it the farthest that it's gone and which it's like like this this robot this robot not even this this robot feels looks acts exactly like a human they have desires they have likes they have interests like they can tap into these things like you know like, in every way that we would define the human experience, this is a human. We we just know 
they're not a human because we know that they are a robot. Does that make sense? Um, so yeah, like I feel like it did something different because it pushed that limit to the furthest that it's ever gone in our like collective imagination. Um, and like in a sense, like you you see the fears of like robotics. <laughs> um, the fears that people have of like robotics like pushed to the farthest degree. And I just feel like that that new that new boundary breaking limitation or whatever um is iconic. And it's a great film. And Oscar Isaac is in that film. I love Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. And he looks fantastic in that film. If anything else, it is iconic truly because Oscar Isaac is in that film and he looks immaculate. He looks delicious, you know? So, yeah. The next one is Amy. Ugh. Okay, Amy is iconic truly because Amy Winehouse is iconic. And I love Amy Winehouse. And that documentary was very emotional. And it really revealed a lot of things that I did not know about her beforehand. Like... I don't know what else to say, you know? <sighs> Amy is just... Amy is just... A, it is just a fantastic documentary. And, like... I've, like, in understanding... Not to be that guy. Not to be that guy. But in understanding, like, in learning about film more... I think people really don't look at like documentaries as true films. I feel like a lot of times people get stuck on the content of the documentary that they don't look at the actual structure of the film. Like they just don't, I don't think people see like the pedestrian viewer as I like to call it. I don't think the pedestrian viewer sees documentaries and films and views them like and critiques them in the same way um because I think again like you're more so invested in the content like you're more so invested in the story that's being told you know like oh my gosh like like this murderer did this like I'm you know like you're more invested in like that storyline um and again like with with when in telling somebody's life in a documentary I feel like I mean I feel like it's important for all of them but I guess especially in in showcasing somebody's life um it's really important to really take account the way that you are telling the story and the lens in which you are telling the story um because there's a lot of bias that can go into storytelling where you are not being true to the humanity of that person both good and bad or if you like or you can just tell that there is like an underlying agenda with it and I feel like with Amy it just it just does a great job of showcasing her like her life um underneath the surface of her 
success underneath the surface of her career because I think a lot of people don't understand Amy Winehouse truly they see her career and they like they know like she was troubled because and then and okay <laughs> let me calm down and you see it in the film is her music is so transparent like in listening to the lyrics of her songs it's it's so heartbreaking because you really see and hear how her songs are like 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 fuck a fuck a window into her life like her songs are literally her opening the door and inviting people into her life you know what i'm saying like they're it is that transparent, I feel like. And you really see in the film, you really you really see the parts that I think people, especially at the time, did not realize. Because what, what you realize is that, what I realize is that in America, our, like, we caught on to her success so late in the game. We caught on to her success as, like, as she was really starting to spiral downward. Um, and so you don't realize, and I feel like, because we caught her at such like we because we um because we caught on to her so late and she was kind of already spiraling at that point i feel like our views like we were like well duh she have any issues but i think like to a lot of people and to us we just did not understand the extent of it and i feel like the film did a really good job at showcasing that also, the ending is so fucking tragic. Every time I watch it, the ending has me in tears. Like the last like 10, 15 minutes where it talks about her death is so sad because it came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, because I'm taking forever on these lists. The last thing I'll say is Back to Black. Back to Black, the documentary edition. That is her song. That like, that is my favorite song rendition edition ever from her. If you have not heard it, you literally have to hear it. It is actually life changing. It is different. It is different. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to say. And then the last one, I'm going to have to fly through the rest of these because the way that I'm talking about, like I'm spending too much time. This is how I know, like I'm a rambler. But anyways. The last one, Under the Skin. Under the Skin is truly iconic, most because I watched it in my race representation class. I learned a lot about critical race theory through it, but also I think it is a really great film. I think it is also very, like, it is cinematically amazing. All of the moments of the men in that pool, the whole moments where she, of that house where she brings the men in, you know, if you know, you know, um... Yeah, like it is it is just it is just fantastic it is visually amazing amazing visually amazing um so yeah that's really all i have to say i'm, I'm gonna keep it pushing i'm gonna keep it pushing i'm gonna keep it pushing um so yeah the next one a good ride it was a good ride i enjoyed myself um eighth grade i thought it was fun thought it captured the awkwardness of being a tween 
absolutely perfectly. It was so cringy, but so cute. Um, one of the most uncomfortable viewing experiences to have, especially with an audience, like secondhand embarrassment is already embarrassing when you are alone, but secondhand embarrassment in a room full of people is next level. And yeah, it's just a fantastic film. It comes at night. I really liked it comes at night. I rated it 10 out of 10 when I watched it. I have no idea if it still holds up to the 10 out of 10. I think it is a masterful work in um, suspense building. Like, I think it's something that you should really, that should really be looked at a lot harder um, when it comes to suspense building because it works off of literally nothing but fear. Like, literally nothing but fear. And fear in an internal, like, from an internal standpoint literally like the film thrives off of internalized fear and I feel like that is something that you don't usually get from horror suspense thriller films I feel like a lot of times there is a external that characters are dealing with that creates fear in them and in the viewer but in this film it's there's literally nothing <laughs> there's literally nothing to go off of besides maybe the the sickness but even then even then it, like you come to see in the film like is like is the sickness even real so I feel like it is a it is a masterful work in looking at how internalized fear can manifest on screen um, and can create an entire film of suspense um, climax climax is really good Climax is really good in the way, like I just love how it spirals and I also love how it is a damn near one take film. Um, you can kind of see, I think in the moments where it relies on different avenues to whatever, 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 that's not important. <laughs> but I think it's, it's a, it's a great work in choreography and I also like that it's, it's literally about dancers, especially in the whole like. I don't want to say the whole long take because it's kind of a, a long take, but the long take in the beginning where they are dancing. Um, I just like, I like that relationship. I like the relationship and what that means. A film about dancing and choreography that relies very much on dancing and choreography, not in a literal sense, but in like a cinematic sense of like choreography between the actors and the camera and the director and the fact that it is, uh, a one a one shot or a long shot film you know and also like it's a really good suspenseful film I would have liked a little bit more craziness and action just a little bit more but I think the craziness that ensues is already crazy enough actually it's not crazy oh gosh um, actually it's not crazy enough because I said I want more, but I think it is like crazy in its own way. Like you're, you're still watching it like, oh my gosh, you know? Um, The Farewell. The Farewell is a great film. I think the premise is immaculate. I think the premise of the film is absolutely amazing. Um, and I think that's why it is such a great film. And it's just one of those films that is like, it's crazy. And it's crazy that that is kind of a real life thing. Um, but yeah, The Farewell, really good. Last fact. Last Black Man in San Francisco. Really love the film. Um, it is also a very beautiful cinematic film. 
Um, I like how it's kind of surreal in a sense. It kind of works on surrealistic aspects. Um, and I think, what did I say? There's also, I saw parallels between Do the Right Thing um, and this film with, I call it the, what did I call them? The trouble, the trouble raising, the troublemaking youth, that little group of people that are just like, they just are around the town, posted up in one place, just like causing trouble. Um, so that was just something that I saw that I related to, like, do the right thing, um, which I think is just a fun, a fun tidbit to add. But I love the last black man in San Francisco. The score is also very beautiful what's another one while we're young i really like while we're young i don't know why i just i think like it was fun it was a fun film that looked at the relationship between like gen x and millennials and just like it was just it's just a fun film like i just think it's just one of those fun like feel good feel good films um that i've been coming to i've been coming back to it every now and then what's next the disaster artist the disaster artist is hilarious i know the francos mostly james is i guess you could say problematic but i mean i guess i guess like he is problematic yes like you know i know that 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 subject those people mostly james franco is very sensitive and whatnot um but I'm not gonna lie to you. Not gonna lie to you. It's a good film. It's a good film. Not gonna lie to you. It's a good film, my love. It's a good film, isn't it? <laughs> so. Yeah. And then the last two mid 90s and Good Time. I love Good Time. Unpopular opinion. Well, actually, no. Um, tangent, side note. Good Time and Hereditary. Okay, no. Good Time and Uncut Gems for me are the same. Like, I see the relationship and I see how I like each movie the same way that I like Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, and the fact that the predecessor of the, the two. I saw first and so I liked that one the most and for me the successor of those two um felt more like that film 2.0 than its own film that incorporated the same elements and style of the director if that makes sense does that make sense so like for me like hereditary and good time i think they did a really good job of putting the directors in their own lane giving them their own specific style like you really attribute those films to their um authorship author i think that's how you pronounce it authorship Look at me. I'm trying to be pretentious, but I don't even know how to pronounce it. But yes, like, you know, their style, their authorship. Um, and I feel like the the films after those, so like Midsummer and um Uncut Gems, it's like 
so much of your style was already defined in those first two films this kind of this doesn't feel necessarily new in any way you know like Midsommar Midsummer, what have you a lot of the conventions I'm like I saw that in Hereditary and I feel like you just did that because you did that in Hereditary like you're trying to evoke the same emotions but it doesn't come off as authentic as as in Hereditary um or like oh that convention like that thing that you did I feel like in Hereditary it really worked to add this but this just kind of gets lost in the sauce um in this film and I feel the same way with like Uncut Gems it's like like at least with the Safdie brothers it's like their main thing is they love to create like they want to physically manifest anxiety within you and it's like it really works in good time and I mean it works in Uncut Gems and a lot of people say like Uncut, Uncut Gems is a form of like anxiety in a different way and I don't discount that but I think some of the conventions in Uncut Gems it's like I saw this in good time and like it really worked in good time and I feel like you didn't have to do this um here or like you could have done something different here does that make sense um but yeah I like good time a lot though <laughs> and as well as mid-90s I like the look and feel of mid-90s um I've always been interested in like skateboard culture and just like skateboard films like I've always been those have always been pretty interesting to me um so I like that there's kind of like a film like that that is also kind of in a dramatic sense a dramatic film that looks at skateboard culture because I feel like you get a lot of you get a lot of like oh kids on skateboard no sense um or you also get like skateboard documentaries or just like a skateboarding film not even less documentary yes um like skateboarding films but I don't know like this is another it's one of those things where like it merges two things that I don't think you see a lot of or it it it, it infuses something that I don't think people see a lot of um it infuses it with like realism and humanity in a way that you really start to you understand like skateboarders and that whole demographic you know a lot of people are like why would you do that like I don't understand the life of a skateboarder or people that are interested in it and I think like you see just another story where there is community a bond and you just see the lens of like skateboarding culture through a lens that we just usually don't see. Um, so I thought, I thought mid nineties was was a really good film. It, it's a good ride. It's always a good time. It is a good time, you know. So moving on, yeah, it's not bad. Um, I have the lighthouse. I enjoyed The Lighthouse. I thought it was a really good film. It's really fun. It's just, again, it's not a film that I come back to all the time. It was a film that I really liked the ride of watching it the first time. And I think that it was really interesting. I love the look and feel of it. The characters are very quirky. I think that the chemistry is there between... Um, the actors <laughs> I was gonna say their real names but then I just forgot 
not Robert Pattinson. I forgot the other man's name. It's not coming to me. I'm gonna just let it be. But I think you can definitely see the chemistry between the two actors because the camaraderie plus the tension is really good. It's another one of those wacko, just silly, goofy films. <laughs> um, but... I think that it's still like it's still a good film you know like I still think it's a good film the my whole like it's not bad again it's it's not a film that I come back to all the time or it's a film where it's like yeah like you know I thought it was pretty good but um like I just I don't have a huge emotional tie to these films but I don't think any of these films are bad I think these are all really good films anyways so yeah, The Lighthouse. Um, the second one is First Reformed. I, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I think it, from what I remember, I watched it a while ago, but from what I remember, it was one of those films where you're like, it's a lot of like, okay, okay, hmm. And then it's like, oh my gosh, like, whoa. And then it's like, okay okay and then the ending and then you're like okay what the fuck you know um so like it i don't know like it's one of those films i feel like you don't like not everything processes when you see it on screen it's a lot of it's a lot of getting information and then like waiting for that information to really to really click and then it's like, like it kind of happens in the end where you're like, oh, oh shit, okay, I understand. It's coming together. But then also like the, the very end of the film, it's like, I no longer understand. I lost, I, I've lost it all. I no longer, I no longer understand. I actually understand nothing, you know? And so, but it's still a good, it's still a really good film. Like, I think it's still... I still think it's a good film. I don't know what else to say. Like, it's it's definitely one of those films that you have to sit and like contemplate for a little bit, and then like go on YouTube and hope that somebody has a um, Easter egg explain video, and then like maybe watch some like director interviews to really understand where he was coming from. Um, but I think in and of itself, it's still a good film. And it's really interesting because it also, it adds like, it's, it's an existential film. And not that I, not that like, I don't think we get a lot of existentialist films. Um, but I do think we don't get a lot of existentialist films. Um, and I know that like, you know, some films it's like, not that existentialism can only be discussed so far, but it's like for the most part, no one's created a new theory on existentialism, you know? So I understand that, but I also think that there's a lot, like I think existentialism, not to get into all this because, you know, this is my, my bread and butter, but with existentialism in general, especially with how it translates on film, I think a lot of people like to... They like to go to like the the nihilism part. 
Like they, it's really kind of, it's really kind of like theistic God or nihilism. No God, no meaning, nothing. Like there's no reason for us to be here. Um, and I think with this film, it employs existentialism in an interesting way, especially because it has to do with like environmental anxiety. Um, and like climate change like it also employs a very new age fear and embeds that in existentialism if that makes sense like the idea where it's like like are we really supposed to be here right now because the world's falling apart you know <laughs> and it's like you know is is doing all of this really worth it because like we're dying the world's dying like things are getting dreary um and I feel like I like that that film explores that and also takes it to again a level that I do not think we've seen it in the same way of like ex machina where like it takes it takes that exist that environmental anxiety and pushes it literally to the edge like literally to the edge and over um so I think that that's interesting. Um, and that would be interesting to, not necessarily like the environmental part, but I don't know, like I could, I could watch, I could watch a few films on existentialism, you know, like I could, I could enjoy seeing a film or two on existentialism in the future. I don't know. So, but yeah. <laughs> um, and the third one is Room. Not much to say about it. Very powerful film. I don't remember if I cried when I watched Room. I think I might have cried when I watched it. I don't know. But it's very moving. Um, and I enjoy how it looks at the after. Like the PTSD of those moments. Because even in like documentaries, you hear about the crazy things that happened to them. Um, but a lot of times it ends at like, and then they were found in any in it on both spectrums good and bad you know so i like how this one is a good story and also it's like they were found they were alive they were fine um but this is the the effects that it had on them and also the fact that it focuses on a child um and learning about the outside world that's interesting too so yeah, and then the last one in this category is Zola. I really enjoyed Zola. I thought it was really fun. Um, I have not fully like taken the time to think about Zola that much, um, just because I think again it's just a feel good film. Um, but I don't like I don't really remember the original story and I do want to read the original story to compare it to the film not necessarily to fact check it because it tells you at the beginning of the story like like this is not entirely based on the story but it is very close to what happened and I believe it I just like to know where it diverges um but the only thing that made Sola just like okay I guess is really the ending I feel like the ending for me was just a bit fast like I just feel like like the it ended and I was like oh I feel like the ending kind of came out of nowhere 
and it wasn't as climactic as I would have hoped it to be. Um, yes, it is like based off of a true story, so you you have to stick to some realism. Um, but I don't know, especially especially with how it plays with the realism and the reenactment, I think they could have pushed it a little further. I think they could have pushed it a little further. Um, either in intensity or also in just where they left the story off at or in the fact that it relies a lot it relies heavily on the premise that this is a told story this is a shared story um I think I would have liked it to end in maybe some way where it ends in her like in the beginning it starts off where it's like you know let me tell you about this bitch and how we fell off or whatever and it's like to end in that same way I feel like would have would have turned it into a nice complete circle you know cinematically um but I still think it was a really good film I think it's beautiful I really I forget exactly why they shot it in 16 millimeter but I was really interested throughout the entire film as to why they shot it in 16 millimeter because not that you can't do like I don't know not that you can't shoot a film in um 16 and it you know look well it's just like you can obviously tell that it is shot in a lower quality like you can you can tell that them shooting it in 16 and then like them shooting it in just a lower grade 16 millimeter was intentional because you see it and it's not it, it's not it doesn't look low budget like it obviously looks like glamorized and hyperbolic and you know like it, it gives it a, a certain flair to the film but I don't know I feel like a lot of times like even within shooting on film people want that crispness you know obviously there is a a grittiness um there is obviously a connotation to shooting on film um visually but I feel like it's like even within that people want the super good quality you know 16 super 16 35 you know and I feel like with this film it kind of actively goes against that where it's like no like we want something that is like we want you to see a lot more of the grain we don't we want you to see a lot more haze and and less um what is it called sharpness you know like the image is just overall fuzzy um and I think that it's really interesting that they they decided to do that and I would have liked I would like to look more into why I think I saw something just a little blur but I would like to read more into why because I think that it was an interesting choice um visually so yeah those are mine for it's not bad the lighthouse first reform room and Zola um moving on to yeah and I'm gonna I'm run through these mostly again like it just there was just something something lacked for me personally um, that's Midsummer, as I said, Uncut Gems, as I said, um, The Witch, I think again, I don't know, like I really enjoyed The Witch, I really enjoyed the aspect of like, this is, so it sounds weird, but I really like the imagery of like the devil personified in an animal, 
or especially like the devil personified in a goat or yeah I don't know I don't know I I I don't know where that comes from but I I enjoy that that imagery that connection um so like I thought that was interesting but I think again like in the end you're like oh it's it it, it don't really got much to do with the goat you know what I'm saying um so it's just eh, it's just eh, you know um the lobster the same way I think I said previously but I didn't really not that I really care for the lobster it's just again like I've come to realize Yurgos Lanthimos like I think that he's a talented filmmaker I think that his authorship is interesting in its own way I think that he definitely has a particular style yada 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 but I've just come to realize that like I'm just not the biggest fan of him in general you know like I'm just I'm not I'm not, I don't yearn for his films in that way, besides the killing of a sacred deer. So yeah, the lobster, it just, I was just, it was just okay. Um, Waves. Waves wasn't bad. I think there is a whole discussion to be had about white filmmakers, especially white male filmmakers. Um, trying to tell black stories. I think a lot of people don't realize that just because I think a lot of people think that you can substitute a black character for a white character and just keep the ball rolling, you know? Um, like I think a lot of times it's like people don't realize that there's you like you can't you can't keep the like you can't keep the script entirely the same and just have like and just put in a black character um i'm being completely honest some people might not like that stance some people might think like oh no like people are just people blah 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 but i think i think blackness is too real it is too real <laughs> to be something that can just be substituted in if that makes sense like it's like you can't I don't think you can white I don't think you can write a white character and then put a black character in and keep everything the same I think there has to be some different storytelling and way of going about it and I think my problem with that film is that it it lacked that cultural awareness of the fact that you're telling a story about black people um and then I think it just, I don't know, like the shift, the shift, um, I didn't really need it. Like, I feel like those are two separate stories, but those are also two stories that you could tell at the same time without having to split it up. And I feel like them splitting it up, it just did not do it again. It just didn't do the, the family and blackness and general justice, um, in a general sense. And I don't think it did the two subjects that it focused most on the kids I don't think it did the kids justice in the film but I'll say the brothers part was crazy <laughs> I'll say that the brothers part of the film that was crazy um 
the Florida Project. I don't know why. I thought the Florida Project, like, I really, I was really invested in it until I watched it. And I think for me, what I did not really care for was the fact that the Florida Project was less, it was less focused on a linear story, a linear timeline, storyline, plotline. Um and was more focused on like capturing moments and like I don't think there's anything wrong with that I just think I like I was there for a story and I got a lot of moments I got a lot of tidbits um and in the end I was just like yeah you know so there's not much to it um American Honey yeah again not a bad film I just was not reached emotionally from it. Um, that's all I have to say. Um, and then lastly, finally, um, a scammer and a fraud. A scammer and a fraud. So, yeah, again, these are kind of the same in the eh category where it's like some of these films I don't think are necessarily bad. I just think that for the most part, they just didn't do it for me. Um, Native Son... I think, again, Native Son was kind of like the Florida Project where I hyped it up to be something else in my head. And then when I saw it, I'm like, this is just not as good as I thought it was going to be. Um, I did not read Native Son. No, I didn't. I didn't read Native Son. I keep thinking Native Son is kind of related to Invisible Man. It's not. I did not read Native Son. Are they about the same? I'm not even going to ask. Anyways, I did not read Native Sun, so yeah, I didn't really have that to work off of. Either I just didn't know the context of the film or I didn't have much, um, you know? But yeah, I just watched it. I just wasn't a huge fan. I just wasn't a huge fan. So that High Life, the same. I really want to see, and I, I said this before, I stand by this statement. High Life made me want to see more. So, a story about Andre 3000 and Robert Pattinson raising a little girl with Andre 3000 tending to a garden. Like, that's literally, that's the only story I need. I just want to see them raise a little girl together. Andre 3000 has a little garden. He be tended to it. He be harvesting, you know. Robert Pattinson's there. He got issues. He dealing with them. He didn't care of a child. Like, that's the story that that made me want to watch. Less so High Life. <laughs> um, the Children's Act. I'm not going to talk about that film. I only watched because I had a very embarrassing, embarrassing time in my life where I was somehow attracted to the guy in that film it was off of the um bandersnatch freaking what movie is that called black mirror episode so yeah we're not gonna talk about that but i watched that film and it was it was okay anyways hot summer nights that was a bit underwhelming. I forget exactly what my problem with, with it was. I think it was just a bit underwhelming. I think also it was trying to do like the ooh, crazy drugs, like ooh, like 
is like just a bit too much um in a way where it was just like this just feels kind of corny i guess so mm, wasn't a huge fan spring breakers i haven't seen spring breakers in a while i know again like i think it's harmony corinne um so it's like if you like his stuff you'll probably like that you'll probably think it's a gem in and of itself i know it had a lot of controversy but from what i remember eh, you know just not just not one of the films that i i liked um which he is also another controversial well no he's also another contentious um director for me and like i loved beach bum i loved beach bum i thought that was such a hilarious film like a crazy ride i also do love matthew mcconaughey so that might have played a big part in it um but also like like i really like beach bum spring breakers i did not really care for kids i kids i only hated because like I hated how it ended, you know? And like not because like it was bad, like it's it's critically a bad film, but like no, like that shit was sad. I hated how it ended because it was sad. I don't like that film because it makes me sad. It makes me sad, you know? So it's like I'm not gonna say like it's a bad film. Like I think it's probably a really good film and it probably did a lot for the time, blah blah blah. But like, I'm just like, fuck kids. Fuck kids. Because, like, that shit is sad, you know? Like, damn. Um, so, yeah, like, Spring Breakers. You know? And the same with the Bling Ring. Like, I really... I haven't seen them in a long time, so I can't say much to them. I can't really form an actual opinion on them. I don't really remember much, but I just, it's just, I just don't really care, to be honest. Um, the last one is False Positive. I actually watched that recently, and I only have, I have it in a, uh, a scammer and a fraud because I truly do think I was scammed, and I truly do think it was fraud low-key more so the fact that it was confusing as fuck and the ending did not lend itself to creating like it was one of those things where it's like you i feel like it needed to it did better by picking a side on who was crazy who was delusional who was who had lost their marbles right and then it's like okay if you're not then i feel like you should have done a better job in also creating that ambiguity like i just don't think it did a really good job of picking a side of the three sides you know like hers his ours hers his or like ambiguity and i just don't think it did a good job of sticking to either one of those sides and so in the end you're just left with the general confusion you know you're just left being like so like what happened so like who you know um but yeah besides that i i just say eh. again yeah i watched it but it was okay um those are all that i have after all of this i spent so much time talking after all of this um 
those are my list if you agree with anything let me know if you disagree with anything let me know i will discuss all of them besides moonlight so um and then to try and end this off and keep this shit rolling as like just try to quickly end this off as soon as possible because i know i've been talking for a while the sick flick of the week so my sick flick of the week is just any a24 film this is this is an episode dedicated to a24 through and through um so watch any of the films on this list watch any any of the films watch your favorite a24 film watch your least favorite a24 film watch the a24 film you hate the most i don't know um watch any of them watch moonlight watch 20th century women watch under the skin amy ex machina uncut gems solo watch solo watch literally any a24 film <laughs> so that's my sick flick it's just a24 and yeah glad to have you back glad to be here oh if you want to follow the podcast like stay up to date yada 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 get extra information um on instagram it's at sickflick.pod follow the youtube follow the youtube follow the youtube <laughs> um subscribe like comment share what have you and i will see you in the next episode peace out girl scout